Today's podcast and the following message are brought to you by ICMA membership. ICMA's Next Up initiative challenges local government professionals to develop and grow the profession. If you're a manager who has staff members who stand out as future leaders, or if you're a staff member who aspires to advance to a leadership role, you are next up. Learn more and get started at icma.org slash next up. Welcome to this episode of ICMA's Local Gov Life. I'm your host, Erica White. This season, we're sharing stories of crisis and resilience. From natural disasters to acts of violence, local government leaders are on the front line, responsible for guiding the staff and community through the crisis and its aftermath. These powerful stories are told by the people who lived and led through them. In today's episode, we'll hear a story about an EF4 tornado that ripped through a small Midwest community. On November 17, 2013, a rare tornado outbreak resulted in more than 20 tornadoes tracking across the state of Illinois. The worst of the outbreak struck the community of Washington, Illinois, population 16,000. The EF4 tornado reached winds of 190 miles per hour, spent an hour on the ground, stretched 42 miles, and caused $935 million of destruction. Tim Gleason, former city manager of Washington, looks back at the morning the tornado touched ground, shares the community's rebuilding efforts, and reveals lessons learned from that fateful November day. My name is Tim Gleason. I'm the city manager for the city of Decatur in Illinois. But on November 17th of 2013, I was the city administrator for the city of Washington in Illinois. Washington is a primarily residential community, a population of about 16,000 in the larger Peoria metropolitan area, which is about 425,000. And on November 17th of 2013, there was an outbreak of 20-plus tornadoes throughout the state of Illinois. And we were impacted by one that grew to a strength of F4 coming through our community and, in fact, was on the ground for uh, a total of 42 miles. The tornado in Washington proved to be uh, a fatal one for us. Three total fatalities, one on the day of and two additional in the uh, short days, couple of weeks after November 17th. Some of the things that I remember about that morning and about uh, days leading up to it was it was unseasonably warm. And the weather forecasts the week prior were actually forecasting the possibility of an outbreak of tornadoes. Well, that was newsworthy because this is mid-November in the state of Illinois, central Illinois, where, you know, we're full-blown fall. And even in some cases, we've had uh, snowfall on the ground by uh, mid-November. So 70-plus uh, degree weather is unheard of, but that's what the forecast was. And I've shared this when I've uh, spoke about this topic in the past, but I have never done this before, and I've not done this since. But on that Friday, November 15th, I reached out to my police chief, my fire chief, my public works director, and just had, I, I guess, a feeling. I wouldn't even call it a bad feeling at the time, but I told these guys to pay attention to the weather because the forecast had been one of strong tornadic possibility. So I've never done that since, but I did it that day, and, and little did I know. Sunday, November 17th at about 11 a.m., typically um, my daughter and I would go to church in a community adjacent to Washington, 
My wife was at work, and she works weekends every uh, other weekend, and she wasn't there. But my daughter and I, we did not go to church that day. So I went to my local uh, coffee shop and made my daily stop for uh, my coffee. And I'm standing in line, and all of a sudden, tornado sirens went off. When I walked into the building, it was bright and sunny and warm. Tornado sirens went off. I turned and looked out the large plate glass window and noticed just this eerie, large, uh, green, bluish, grayish uh, funnel. And I've seen a fair amount in the past and knew exactly what I was looking at and knew that this was the real deal. Young women were uh, working at the coffee shop. There were other customers. And I turned and I said, you need to take cover. This is the real deal. My daughter, who was nine years old at the time, took her and we went east, which was away from the funnel cloud. And we actually went to City Hall. Nobody was there on a Sunday. And we went to the basement. It was a short time later, came out, and just an eerie silence in the community. And I knew that something had happened, but I didn't know exactly the amount of damage that it just felt like had occurred over that short period of time. So I drove to the police station and dropped my nine-year-old daughter off at the uh, communication center. Calls were coming in. By this time, I know that there's been major damage and, again, still did not know how much. And I left my nine-year-old daughter right there at the communication center for about the next six, seven hours, and uh, she got a front-row seat to uh, the chaos, you know, in the communication center. I left, wanted to assess what the damage was and also check my uh, city facilities. So I'm in uh, my vehicle, dodging down poles, tree limbs, wires, checking the uh, different city sites and uh, stopping as I could along the way for, uh, you know, different things that arose, helping some folks along the way. Reached out and uh, connected with the mayor who was on his way to City Hall shared what I knew, which was not much. He shared what he knew, which was not much. He had actually stopped on the way from church to uh, City Hall to render aid to some folks that were in a damaged vehicle that they were caught in a tornado and uh, just started assessing, making phone calls as best we could, which was not good because soon after we lost the cell service entirely. That lasted for a few days until the uh, major networks came in with portable site for a cell phone uh, usage. The day of, I can remember it vividly and could go in so many different directions as I talk about it or when I have talked about it in the past, but I've got a 25-year law enforcement background before I pursued the second career as a city manager. And I really believe that that helped me at this time, you know, at this community's greatest need to have that kind of first responder background. But I knew my job was not to be out and about. It was to uh, find a central location and uh, start delivering not orders, but uh, direction as far as search and rescue being the first mission, the resources that were starting to pour in, whether it was people coming from Peoria, other fire departments, you know, it was, it was immediate that uh, the resources started pouring in and it only got larger over uh, the many days to follow.
that day of the Department of Homeland Security out of Chicago, which is about two and a half hours north, came down in a helicopter, and I went up that very afternoon for about 45 minutes just to assess the uh, damage. And it was widespread. There was 1,100 plus homes in our community that were where the overwhelming majority were completely um, devastated. And uh, the path was about a half mile wide, tracking to the northeast. And as a side note, some of the debris in uh, Washington was found as far north as Chicago on the rail yard. They found uh, a junior high girl's photo ID for uh, school. Got the incident command team in place early on. I served as the incident commander for uh, the first 30 days of search and rescue and then uh, early phases of what I would call phase one of the recovery and really uh, devised what the plan was going forward. The mayor, Gary Manier, great man, born and raised in uh, Washington, did an excellent job of allowing staff to do our job as well as the other six elected officials. And in fact, there was damage to homes on the majority of them, but two of my seven elected officials completely lost their homes handful of staff completely lost their homes, and there was not a single city employee that didn't have someone in their immediate family that wasn't impacted if they weren't directly impacted, a, a parent, an in-law, a sibling. It was that widespread in this community of 16,000. Some of the early decisions that I really feel, having made them, they were beneficial, felt that they were the right thing to do, early on, but didn't realize the magnitude of how right these decisions were. But uh, we were a community without power, without cell service. We were completely dark. So I had as many mobile light sources brought to the community as I possibly could. I also activated the mutual aid for law enforcement. It obviously was in place for public works and uh, the fire department, but I started thinking security. I started thinking about the need Need for a curfew, started thinking about looters, really put uh, a strong focus on the uh, law enforcement component of this. And some of those decisions were definitely the right decision to make because we had far less looting throughout the entire period than some of the communities that saw a fraction of the damage that we did. We did put a curfew in place, and another decision that was uh, not controversial, but it met with some resistance from the community and from the elected officials at the time, was not allowing anybody for the first three days into the interior, the damaged area. And the logic behind closing that area down was to allow the local power company, Ameren, Illinois, Comcast, which was our uh, cable provider, and our public works crews taking care of the water and the sewer component, more so the water. Those lines were exposed and running, but we kept the community out of this area so that no one would be underfoot. And I knew and just felt strongly that a semblance of recovery would be turning the lights back on. As silly as that might sound, it just was critical and, and you know, wanted to reach that point as quickly as I could. And I knew the fastest way to get there was to not have anybody in the way of those utility companies in there doing their thing. 
that proved to be the right thing to do. They even, they being the utility companies, talk about how what uh, would have taken four weeks, they did in four days. And in fact, that very next week, we started having our very first weather event of the winter with a sleet and ice storm. And little did I know that uh, we would have one of the worst snowfalls in uh, our uh, history. It was uh, a heavy snowfall um, period. Another decision that proved to be the right decision to make, we had representatives of FEMA obviously would deploy, the state agency of IEMA that would deploy, and their strong recommendation, and recommendation might not be the right word, their suggestion was let the personal insurance take care of the debris removal and have the insurance companies be the ones that are responsible for this. It seemed to me at the time to be unreasonable to think with all these claims we would get anything done before snowfall. And it was a very strong desire of mine to get the debris removed while construction would likely not occur during the winter time. I wanted spring to come the following year, and I wanted it to be a blank canvas where we weren't cleaning up junk and debris that had been buried for four or five months under snow. It really was important that we could just break ground and, and start going that March or, or April of uh, 2014 and did that. It met with some resistance from uh, FEMA. But early on, I made it very clear to all the residents and all the contractors, once they were let back in, to start pushing your debris to the curb, and I would pick it up. And I did. And that proved to be uh, another decision that was made that was good for our situation. You know, that may not be the right thing to do if you've got a May tornado and you've got several months of good weather where you can wait for that resident to connect with the insurance agent and, and it work its way the proper way. These were unique circumstances, and we felt strongly that we knew what was best for our community. Even though FEMA and IEMA had the best of intentions, this was our disaster and we were not going to relinquish this disaster to anyone or any uh, different entity that, again, was there trying to help, but we felt strongly that the decisions that we were making were right. It proved that we were, in fact, correct with some of these decisions. The takeaway as a city manager, I think it's a given that any one of us is going to look out for our city staff going to equip our elected officials with what they need so that they can engage their community. But the one thing that I think that I was remiss, and, and I'm a note-taking type of person, but I should have had a scribe or someone alongside me and the many things that I did early on, and I didn't. And the other thing, and this is easy to say, and chances are, God forbid, if you're faced with the same type of challenge, you're not going to take this advice either, but you got to find a way to take care of yourself. Uh, November 17th was the day of the tornado. I truly did not have my first day off, and I count answering emails and phone calls still as a day off, but I was home with my family, and that was Christmas Day. 
spent many a night catching a little bit of sleep in my chair, laying under the desk because it was darker. But you've got to find a way to take care of yourself because if you're not, you know, hitting on all eight cylinders, you're really not performing at optimum levels for your community in their greatest time of need. Another area that uh, we paid great attention to was communication. You know, while you strive to do the best that you can, I think we also know that we're going to fail in areas. But it was a priority to me and activated a team that was a public information uh, team. It came from uh, some of the different agencies in central Illinois and knew that families, they didn't have their iPads. They didn't have their computers. They didn't have their phones. They didn't have TVs to uh, watch the news and get updates. So we knew that we likely for a period of time initially would have to hand deliver updates. And these updates were generated exclusively by the public information team. If the information was not vetted through this team and then finally approved by me, it was not uh, quality uh, information to be shared. And again, credit to my mayor and my council members. You talk about checking your egos at the door, and if there was an opportunity to get some face time in front of international, not just national, but international media on this disaster, it was in that moment of time. And all of them did an excellent job of reading from the scripts that we provided uh, coming out of the public information team. Early on, it was three, four, maybe five times a day that we were uh, changing information or updating information and then gradually got to a point to where it was daily and then gradually to a point the community meetings, uh, you know, which we started early on. We had one at six months. We had one at the one-year anniversary, but those got fewer and farther between as well. And the community is amazing. I can't say enough about the willpower, the positive attitude in a time like this. Everybody was rowing in the same direction towards a common goal. And even though no one asked for something like this, as I'm able to sit here and, and reflect back, there's a thousand positives to any one negative, you know, on that day of and the days that followed. So much good. We were ground level firsthand. And again, we did not ask for this tornado. It was the card that we were dealt and could not be prouder of my community and how they responded to it. Again, a thousand positives to uh, any one negative. I can also remember the day of the tornado, and again, it happened at about 11 a.m. on that Sunday morning. It was probably 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm standing next to my mayor, Gary Manier, and he is just over overwhelmed. I've never seen a person love their community more than him and saw this way before the tornado ever occurred. And if it was even possible to bring it out of him even more so, it did as a result of that tornado. But I can remember we're standing in the middle of this devastation, you know, in every direction. And I can remember whispering in his ear, we didn't ask for this, but we have now got a blank canvas. And every decision that we make is going to be a forever decision for this community. And I said this then, and it became something I said quite often and in community meetings, that if this community can get over the fact that the 70-year-old oak trees are forever gone, 
but will not grow back in their lifetime physically, not the injuries or the, the human life that was lost, but the physical parts of those neighborhoods and the community, it'll be better than the day before the tornado. And it, in fact, is. That was one of the reasons when uh, I was recruited to uh, consider the Decatur city manager position. While all the work was not in place uh, complete a year and a half after the tornado, the plan was etched in stone. It just was uh, running its course and everything was going to be fine. And the community is amazing how it's turned out very proud to have been part of this with uh, a great group of employees, a great group of elected officials, and uh, definitely the uh, community. As I also think about this, the outpouring of support from the Illinois CMA and ICMA, it was amazing. I'll never be able to thank all the people that either sent resources and assisted or the words of encouragement, their emails or text messages from my peers, fellow city managers. You know, I didn't get to them early on, but they were waiting for me when I finally was able to get to the hundreds of text messages that were on my phone and in the emails. And then when I had those moments a couple of weeks out and then more time as we got farther out, I was able to read them and uh, responded the most. And then it just got to a point to where that was even overwhelming. But the words of support, timing was perfect uh, when I did finally get to them because it had been several days, if not weeks, and it was sort of that energy boost that helped me out. So I'll forever be grateful. In terms of other disasters, this is not a big one, but it was a big one for us. And anybody, a resident that suffers something like this, front and center, it's everything uh, to these people. You know, they lost everything. That's one of the reasons why getting back into that area the first couple of days, they're trying to find the deceased mom or grandmother's wedding ring, the U.S. flag that draped World War II grandpa's grave pictures. I mean, they, they wanted to find anything that they possibly could and anguished over that decision of keeping them out but knew that it was the right thing to do. And it proved to be uh, the right thing to do. When the lights turned on in the community, uh, you could hear everybody cheering. It was amazing. That's our show for today. Share your thoughts about the episode by leaving a comment at icma.org slash podcasts. Subscribe now on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating. Also, please share on social media and tell a friend about us. Thanks for listening to this episode of ICMA's Local Gov Life.